0: today on ag news
1: daily i know a lot of people are out there making guesses and you know pointing towards tops and price targets we have no idea you know we are in such a situation right now again if we look at the spreads if we look at what we see in corn if we look at what we see in soybeans and wheat and so on
0: Good afternoon and happy Monday from the Ag News Daily family. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, it's got to be a good Monday for some guys because I have seen a couple of different tweets today saying that people are already done with planting. I know that is certainly crazy to think about, but you are absolutely right. I think a lot of
2: guys got in, got things done. And in good time, too, because a lot of the Midwest has gotten some rain over the weekend. I don't know if you got any rain down there, Ashton, but it was much needed here. It's currently starting to get a little bit more sunny, but it's rained pretty much off and on all morning this morning. It's a good, good uh, cuddling day. My
0: poodle's curled up in my lap. He appreciates the rain. I don't know. So, yeah, we experienced some rain down here. I'm currently... Back in the Dallas area visiting my parents, just missed home this week. So I made a spontaneous trip, but on my way down here, I ran into some rain in the Wichita Falls area. And I don't know, we haven't experienced any rain in Lubbock really since like last week. And that was just light rain, but here at my parents, it rained a good bit. Um, late last week, they got about four inches or so. Oh, wow. And then over the weekend on Saturday, we were eating some crawfish outside and we got rained on a little bit. So, it's has uh, been a pretty wet down here in the Dallas area, at least.
2: Well, it certainly is not wet when you turn your attention down to South America, Ashton. I saw on Friday, late Friday, this news came out, and that is related to the Safrina corn crop down there in Brazil. Their officials have now released statements saying that they are cutting production forecasts for their safrina corn crop down 8% for this year, just due to such dry weather that they're having down there in Brazil. And I'm trying to pull up the statistic or the number of bushels that that actually is, because it is a pretty substantial amount, more than you'd actually think. It represents about 341 million bushel drop in production that brazil is now forecasting to uh, cut this year so they are, again, continuing to have worsening drought conditions down there. Looking at Eric Snodgrass's latest report from today, he is noting that drought conditions are really getting substantially worse for Brazil's safrina corn crop. And so maybe this 8% reduction may not even be enough at uh, the end of the day. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But weather is certainly going to be a continuing story for this, uh, this crop year.
0: Absolutely, Delaney. And one thing that I'm kind of paying attention to this month, we've got two special things going on. May is National Beef Month. So we'll be talking a little bit about beef, I assume later on this month, don't have any specifics planned just yet. But it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I'm sure a lot of folks I remember this time last year were kind of celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month and doing a couple of different things. And this year, one of those that's going on is coming from American Farm Bureau. They have a resource called Farm State of Mind on the Farm Bureau website. It has resources, um, statistics, things like that, hotlines. So if you know anyone is wanting to learn a little bit more about mental health awareness or is experiencing you know any kind of issues, I definitely suggest going there. Um, I mean, we have a couple of mental health kind of centered podcasts on the global ag network like ag state of mind. So hopefully they'll be doing some good stuff this month. So I'm kind of excited for the abundance of things kind of going on later this month. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I bet we can have Jason on probably to the podcast and talk a little bit more about that with us later this month, Ashton. But we also have a third important event going
0: on this month, Ashton. We have your one year anniversary next week. I know I'm very excited. I can't believe it's already been one year. It feels like time has really just flown by. It certainly does. Or maybe it's crawled by. I don't know.
2: Hopefully it's flown by for you. You just, you have to say that though, because I write your paychecks.
0: <laughs> well, it's weird because sometimes I feel like the weeks go like super duper fast. And then sometimes it just really just crawls on, like you said. But honestly, we're talking to so many different people each week that I never really get bored. Yeah, that's true. There's
2: certainly no shortage of topics to talk about. That's for sure. Uh, I'm going to switch tracks here just a little bit, Ashton. US, the U.S. pork industry may now face a new speed limit on hog slaughtering, which is the result of a recent court ruling that worker groups welcomed and in- industry officials warned could disrupt farmers and processing plants. But the USDA has officially notified any pork processing plants running at higher speeds that they should prepare to process no more than 1,106 hogs an hour and that this guidance follows a March federal court ruling that found the USDA hadn't fully assessed how faster processing affects worker safety. And so we've got to see folks slow down a little bit, but, um, we saw under the Trump administration, USDA had allowed pork, plant, pork plants to speed up processing, and now it looks like that is being rolled back. So I don't anticipate that that should impact the markets a whole lot. I mean, it'll definitely decrease the or the hogs that we process through in the marketplace, um, but hog slaughter was projected at 480,000 head, and cattle are at 119,000 head as of May 3rd. So we are up uh, compared week over week. So this may not affect things too much.
0: Delaney, honestly, I think that that's pretty interesting. I mean, this time last year, we saw plants were shutting down and we had a backlog of animals. Really, we weren't processing enough to keep the shelves full. And now they're wanting to cut back. I just find that a little bit interesting. But I mean, did you say at the beginning, if I heard you right, you said that groups were kind of welcoming this ruling?
2: Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't say ag groups necessarily were welcoming this ruling, but I would say probably uh worker safety groups were as well as workers themselves. I mean, I've never worked in a processing facility, so I can imagine that it could be could get pretty intense there to push things forward, do things pretty quickly. But we get a little monotonous too, I would think. But yes, I think uh worker safety is was one of the biggest concerns with changing the pork processing speed.
0: Yeah, I I understand coming from a worker safety standpoint, and I think that the COVID pandemic has kind of highlighted that issue on, you know, the need for worker safety. And another issue that has happened because of COVID-19 was everything really going virtual. But fortunately enough with, you know, mask mandates being lifted, vaccines being distributed, we're seeing things go offline and back to in person. And one of those things that we'll see back in person is commodity Classic. They have announced that the Commodity Classic for 2022 will be back in person and held in New Orleans March 10th through 12th. That's, you know, quite a ways away, but I would be marking it on my calendars. I hear Commodity Classic is pretty fun. I have never been myself, but I'll definitely be watching along as they come and make um, more announcements on what's going to happen at Commodity Classic. They have some new things for exhibitors that's going to be happening in 2022. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes out on that for the time being. Ashton, was that a was that a hint that you're dropping at me? Hey, I mean, if you want to take me to New Orleans, I mean, and that's like perfect spring break time. You go ahead and you take me (laughs) to New Orleans, Delaney. I won't be complaining. That's true. I suppose you will be just getting ready to graduate with your master's. You can celebrate a little. Absolutely. We could have some fun down in New Orleans. I think we're going there for my older sister's bachelorette party. I've never been to New Orleans and we're really close to Louisiana. So I don't know. I'm pretty excited. It is
2: a pretty fun area and it is a great event. So hopefully we don't see COVID changing things too much down there and we can look at going to that. That would certainly be fun. But Ash, should I tell you what we've got just I got I've got, I should say, just one other piece of news here, and this popped up on my news wires just today, so I wish I would have had a little more heads up about it. I'm going to doing a little digging to see if this is an event worth going to, but tomorrow EPA Administrator Michael Reagan is scheduled to visit Central Iowa to hold a producer roundtable table at a farm, we don't know yet where, not disclosed, but north of Des Moines. I've got a few guesses, I think, at where perhaps that farm might be, but... Uh, The conversation that they're hoping to have will likely be centered around renewable fuels being the largest one, as well as livestock production and water quality. We are also expecting to see Secretary of Ag Tom Vilsack and Iowa Secretary Mike Nag present at that roundtable as well. But I anticipate it would probably be a pretty great discussion. So like I said, I'm hoping I can wiggle around, find some sources and see if I can't get myself into
0: that event. Well, Delaney, hopefully you can do some wiggling around there, maybe get somebody to film you doing that. But uh, <laughs> I just have one other piece of news here to talk about. And we've discussed this just a little bit on the podcast, talking about insect feed Cargill and French biotech firm and feed said that they aim to feed 20 million piglets with insect oil by 2026 as part of a wider alternative protein deal. insect feed has become an increasingly popular alternative in ag and aquaculture as demand for animal feed is surging, pushing feed grain prices higher, and as more companies work towards reducing their carbon footprint. I don't know exactly how this insect feed is made. I imagine they're not just feeding them little worms or anything like that. But I definitely think it's interesting. I mean, insects being used for pig feed, I want to do a little bit more digging and find out exactly how efficient that is and how palatable that is for the animal. I think that's incredibly interesting because I feel like it is, it's like the trends in pig feeding, I feel like hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, at least since I was young.
2: Yeah, I would say the biggest changes that I've noticed are just getting rid of medicated feeds, ractopamine, and those type of things. But I think there is going to be a big push here in the near future, action as we continue to look at hot button issues like, quote unquote, sustainability and consumers getting more involved with the way we, we handle livestock. So I guess I'm not surprised by this piece of news.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm not really too surprised either, especially, you know, when we're talking about carbon footprints, I don't know how much more sustainable, you know, it is to feed them insects rather than feeding them, you know, traditional products like corn or anything like that. But certainly interesting. I'm going to do a little bit more digging and hopefully have some more information on that later on this week.
2: That sounds fantastic, Ashton. Well, I think other than talking markets for today, I am all out of news as well. What do you say we, uh, dive right in here. Let's do it. Well, we're going to talk markets here with Darren Newsom in just a moment, but we saw some pretty major gains put on in the overnight session last night heading into this morning and saw markets open drastically higher, but unfortunately could not follow through on those gains into today's trading session to end the day mostly lower across the board. Kicking things off here in the July corn contract up six and a quarter cent to close at six seventy nine and a half. and a half. The D's down three quarters of a cent to close at 563. In the sweeping pits, the July contract down 10 and a quarter cent to close at five twenty four. The November of five cents to close at thirteen forty four and three quarters. Chicago wheat big moves to the downside today as the July contract down sixteen and three quarters cents to close at seven eighteen. The Nice down twelve and three quarters cents to close at seven twenty. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets, we had some mixed trade today across the cattle complex as the June live cattle contract shed a dollar to close at one fifteen thirty. The August down 27 and a half to close at 118.35. And in feeder cattle, the August contract adding a nickel today to close at 146.80. September down a dime to close at 149.17 and a half. Lean hogs higher today with the June contract adding $2.92 and a half cents to close at 112.65. And in the July contract up and a, excuse me, $2.82 and a half cents to end at 112.07 and a half. And wrapping things up today with our class three dairy milk futures, they were lower today with the May contract shedding eighteen cents to end at nineteen dollars on the nose. the June down sixteen cents to close at nineteen seventy Without further ado, Ashley, let's take it over to our discussion with Darren Newsome. Well, for today's hashtag Market Monday discussion, we are joined once again by Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Analysis. Darren, I've got to say, it's a nice gloomy day here in Central Iowa, so it seems very fitting to have you on the podcast today.
1: That, that seems to be the general, yeah, the general way it goes. <laughs>
2: I'm just getting all in fun and games. But uh, really, the markets have not been very gloomy as of late, Darren. There are a lot of markets making a lot of big moves, a lot of volatility going on right now. Big picture, what is going on? Why are all of these markets moving?
1: You know, the, the big picture right now is that we've got very similar supply and demand situations in a number of markets, in a number of market sectors. I mean, we can look at, we can just look at the skyrocketing lumber, uh where, you know, we've got Basically, we've still got incredibly strong demand. Uh, we've seen supplies go down. We've still got new homes being built. Uh, yeah, that's going to start to slow because of the, you know, the underlying costs of lumber. Uh, you know, folks are pointing to the weather, but there, there's a lot of factors that come into play, but we've just got a, a supply and demand system that, that's out of whack right now. Same thing in lean hogs. I mean, we, we try to break lean hogs down every once in a while, but then the commercial buyers come right back in and push this market back up. See it in soybeans, see it in corn. Uh, so again, crude oil is another one where we've got an inverted forward curve out through, I think, 2024. So, I mean, we've, am I, am I hugely bullish long term crude oil or energies in, in, in particular? No. But I mean, the, the forward curve, the future spreads right now are telling us, you know, that we've got a supply and demand situation that's going to keep this market supported. It's going to be hard to break it down. And so we see it in crude oil. We see it in distillates, soybeans, corn, cat you know, not cattle, but lean hogs and, and lumber and so many others. It's just a strange time right now. It's a, it's a great time to be in commodities because there's always something to look at.
2: Darren, I think Ashton's even going to try and jump in today. We're starting to probe mm-hmm. her to ask more market questions since she's a tool for ag uh, marketing and economics. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Darren, I have read a couple of of stories talking about the lack of herbicides that we might be seeing on the shelves this summer. And I just read another story today saying that there might be a little bit of a lack in machinery and parts over the summer. And as we're going into planting season, I mean, a couple of folks I've seen on Twitter have already finished up. So how can this lack of materials really affect the corn and soybean markets?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question, Ashton. I appreciate uh, appreciate you, you you jumping in on this. Uh, I've been hearing from a number of folks that you know that even heading into planting season that you know we had to expect you know the fact that if they broke down, they might not be able to get parts. If they needed this, they may not be able to get that. So on and so forth. We've got huge backlogs at the ports uh, right now, from what I'm mean, particularly you know, as we go out west, the port of Los Angeles and so on. These weeks worth of backlog- backlogs, and and certainly the uh, the recent problem at the, the Suez Canal didn't help anything. So and everything is backed up. It's hard to get our hands on anything. We've had some trade scuffles over the last few years. That seems to be moving through the pipeline now, and, and we're trying to get everything up and running again. But bottom line is there are so many materials that we are short on right now, that it has led to a shortage of some supplies. And, uh, you know, when we get into this kind of situation, that's when inflation talk really picks up. So what does this mean for agriculture? You know, in, in the, probably in the big picture, as far as, you know, keeping supplies, keeping repairs and this sort of thing, not a lot. But I think what what it does do is it increases the underlying cost the cost the basic cost of production because you know now we're looking at it costs more to change a tire does it costs more to do this it costs you know fuel is going up you know herbicides are going up because they're harder to come by same situation for fertilizer so underlying cost the cost of production is going to go up so you know a lot of folks aren't going to care too much because we're talking about seven eight dollar corn we're talking about 15 20 dollar soybeans whatever it is and and it's so only they can just kind of say well you know at least we've got we've got the we've got the cash prices to offset this but at some point one of the things i wrote about in my latest column is we're going to hit a tipping point we're going to go past equilibrium uh, economic equilibrium and we're going to hit a tipping point and 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 markets are going to come back down but the costs aren't going to come down and so that's when that's when this situation will change dramatically
2: Darren, I like that you put it that way with a market equilibrium and that mm-hmm. tipping point. Is that tipping point something though that we're talking, we're going to see here short term, or, or is that something that you're saying longer term as we cycle through this quote unquote up time and prices, then we start to see the tipping point where prices react back down to the downside. We go back into a negative cycle and input prices are not following soon.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, the thing is, and I know a lot of people are out there making guesses and, you know, pointing towards tops and and price targets. We have no idea. You know, we are in such a situation right now. If, again, if we look at the spreads, if we look at what we see in corn, if we look at what we see in soybeans and wheat and so on, it's giving no signs right now, uh, that, that we are going to be reaching where, you know, equilibrium goes away and, and we hit this tipping point where all of a sudden we just, we just head back down. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to watch basis. Basis is such a key part uh, of what we can, what, you know, of, as far as an indicator goes from basic fundamentals to, you know, in this case, a tipping point or or looking for bubbles, market bubbles. It it provides all of that. Right now, we're not seeing it, but we are just at that key point where we're rolling uh, major indexes, uh, basis indexes from the May futures contract to July, and that'll occur this afternoon. And so we're going to start to see, okay, Was the collapse that we saw in basis at the end of last week due just from the fact that, you know, it it was that strange, what I like to call silly season where the indexes are still calculated off a May contract that's either going into delivery or just went into delivery, whereas versus the July basis was staying strong. So if all, you know, if all of a sudden we see it adjust right back and stay strong against the July, then we've probably we've still got some time. But if all of a sudden we start to collapse back and the the basis versus July starts to weaken, then we really need to start talking about tipping points. We need to start talking about bubbles, given how high priced everything is at this point.
2: So Darren, what was going on today? Was it just that factor of folks pushing contracts or looking now to uh, trade July? Because we saw in the overnight corn and soybeans both were trading pretty strong. Mm-hmm. We opened up here this morning; eh, they didn't quite follow through on some of those gains.
1: Yeah, what I've really gotten to the point where you can basically just throw out the overnight trade. Uh, it, it, you know, it, I you know for the most part. We did see strong overnight uh, we trade volume in, in the July corn contract, but that was about the only one. I think really what we what we see going on right now is we're in that time of year. Where you know I like to call it wrap around weather market weekends, where you know we see big moves on Friday on forecasts for what's going to happen over the weekend, then we see you know overnight into Monday trade what happened over the weekend and then about six o'clock in the morning uh, when the when the first runs uh, first new runs of, of weather uh, weather forecasts start to come out, you see the markets move again, particularly corn so means even spring wheat and then late in the afternoon you know around the noon time uh, when the uh, when the afternoon new uh, runs come out for weather forecasts, you see us move again. And, and, and really, that's that's where we are right now. Uh, you know, grain grain futures are really nothing more than weather derivatives. And we are at a key point right now where traders are going to keep watching the weather. And we saw it play out today. You know, there's also, you know, the soybean market was interesting. We did see some commercial selling today. There's a lot of talk out there that maybe we're getting close to that tipping point in soybeans. Uh, short term, we certainly could be. Uh, old crop demand really has fallen flat and, and with such a high price, it's going to be hard to maintain where it is. But new crop, really right now, you know, we still have inverted forward curves and so on. It's all going to be about the weather, uh, at least here for the next three to four weeks.
2: Yeah, and thankfully, we're getting a little rain here, or quite a bit of the Midwest should be getting Mm -hmm. some rain if they haven't already. But Brazil is not getting a lot of rain, Darren. I saw on Friday that they cut their Safrina corn crop estimates by, I want to say, 8%. Mm -hmm. But we didn't see that bullishness carried into the markets today. Is that something that markets have already priced in because they recognize that weather was already poor down in South America?
1: Well, we we saw the July corn hold together relatively well. And, and when we're talking about South American weather right now, it's basically all about the Safrina corn crop. So that's going to play out in, in our corn market. And it's probably going to keep pretty good demand underneath our old crop, a situation where we, we really are running tight on supplies. You know, in in this in the soybeans, I think it was more of a factor of U.S. weather, uh, the rains that you mentioned. We did see a good round of rain stretching from the plains across the Midwest over the weekend. Forecast for more, so you know, naturally that's going to put some pressure on uh, on the new crop soybean market, even some of the old where demand starting to falter. And you know, we saw some we saw a little bit of pressure in new crop corn as well. But the safrina the safrina corn crop certainly still playing a role in the old crop in the U.S. old crop market uh, because there's just this idea that we. Want once you know, as we make our way through the end of spring here and into summer, you know we're the, the you know the market's still going to be looking for for supplies. The global market's still going to be looking for supplies, and unlike two thousand seven, two thousand eight, the last time we saw, or the first time I should say, in recent history when we saw a corn market make this kind of move, uh, we saw you know South America replace. Uh, US on in a lot of the in a lot of the global demand. That's not going to happen this time around, uh, because the Safrina crop really doesn't look very good. So, you know, right now we're going into the situation. US still has some supplies, not very many. It's not, you know, demand's not going to be taken away, uh, by, uh, by competitors, South American competitors. You know, it just keeps, uh, just keeps that fire underneath the old crop market.
2: Darren, let's transition here and talk a little bit about a market we don't talk about a whole lot, but I think it's definitely been fueling some fire in mm-hmm. the grain markets, and that's the soybean oil market. Yeah. We saw it hit a new record high. I think it was a fresh record that hadn't been set since like 2006. What's driving that demand?
1: The same old thing. Uh, here, all of the focus on new bioenergies, uh, green energies, and so on. Uh, and then if you just look at the glo- the global oil seed complex as a whole, Malaysian palm oil, uh, can- uh canola, uh, you know, soybean oil, the-, the demand for these products is just incredible. Right now, uh, you know, so we've got edible oils, we've got uh, we've got those that are going to be used for fuel. You know, it all comes back to the, you know the same products. You know, the this, the oil seed complex as a whole, and we see such strong inverses. You know, if we look at, it's hard to really gauge now, but I mean, even if we go out to the uh, you know the July August bean oil and August September and so on, uh, and then we look at the same sort of situation in canola and, and these and these other markets besides just the normal soybean uh, market that we always talk about it's just all a tight supply and demand situation right now there's extremely strong demand for tightening supplies and as i've been talking about u.s soybean supplies could be could be you know set to test their historic lows of uh you know what we saw in 2013-14 so i mean we've got that that we're facing right now with the demand for from crush coming for soybean oil. Uh, soybean meal is just kind of the byproduct right now, which is odd because we still have so many cattle on feed. Uh, we still have you know chickens and everything else that need to be fed, and that's where the soybean meal goes. But right now, so much crush is just going towards soybean oil. And as long as that continues, as long as we continue to see this type of supply and demand push in the bean oil market, I think that's going to be an undercurrent of support for soybeans as a whole.
2: OK, Darren, you want me to ask you a pop quiz question? Sure. I had to go look this up to make sure I was right. But when's the last time we've seen lean hogs break above $110? Do you know off the top of your head?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, the funny thing is <laughs> I just posted about this. I talked about them going up to something like 133 or something like yeah. that. Um, I don't if you get
2: remember. the year, right? I'll give it to you.
1: <laughs> I, I could cheat and I could go back to what <laughs> I posted. over I know the weekend, you sure could. But it was, <laughs> I don't it was, remember, right?
2: It was uh, 2014. So
1: 2014. Okay.
2: Yeah. Not that that really matters, but I'm just curious here. Like you said, we put in in that year a high of like 133, 134. Mm -hmm. Are we going to head toward those record highs this year?
1: You know, from a technical point of view, the breakout of the sideways pattern that we've done the last couple of months, and this is as I was posting my my monthly charts over the weekend, you know, it projects out to something like 136, 138. Fundamentally, can we do that? We've seen, you know, the the fundamentals of the market, the June August spread, the August October spreads are are bullish, but we've seen the June August back off a little bit. And, and, you know, so we have the fundamentals that say, look, this, this market should still go higher. We've got these fundamental readings saying that the market should still go higher. But the biggest thing is, Can we maintain that? And and, then this just comes back to the same thing as, you know, every other market, you know, the the equilibrium versus the tipping point. You know, are we nearing that tipping point in lean hogs where, you know, you're just going to see demand start to suffer a little bit, going to start to come down. We'll get that warning, you know, in the June August. As I said, it's backed off from its highs. It's still incredibly bullish, but we need to watch to make sure it doesn't back off much more because that takes some of the steam out of the market.
2: Darren, you've been mentioning your column quite a bit throughout today's podcast. Mm-hmm. If folks want to check it out and read it for themselves, how can they do so?
1: Yeah, I, I always hate to to hammer on that, but you know, it. it I think it's I think it's quite relevant uh, for what we're looking at in so many different markets. If folks want to read it, uh, all they got to do is go to uh, DarrenNewsom.com. Sign up for the seven-day free trial, and then go to the weekly column section. You can see everything that I've posted over the last, you know, two, three, however many years it's been now. Uh, and it's just the latest one. We post, uh, we post a written uh, edition, and uh, and my wonderful voice doing the audio uh, edition as well. So I'm going to have to get uh, someone like yourself to do the reading, someone that's much <laughs> more interesting to listen to. Uh, so yeah, just go to darrennewsome.com, sign up for the seven-day free trial. You can read all that we've put up.
2: Fantastic. Well, Darren, thanks so much for joining to Chat Markets today. Certainly uh, no shortage of topics to talk about.
1: So much to talk about. And I really appreciate you having me on again, Delaney.
0: Well, it was great to have Darren back on. And I asked one question, which is better than I do, you know, every other week, Delaney, but I'm going to have to start doing some research and writing some things down beforehand, it sounds like. Well, Ashton, we are going to get you
2: market savvy by the end of your time graduating college for
0: sure, I have no doubt. Well, I certainly hope so. I'm going to have to do some light reading. Yes, light reading, because I don't know exactly how exciting it'll be to read about the markets, but it's definitely interesting to keep on learning Folks, we hope that you learn a few things with us each week, as well as we talk to some interesting people about some very interesting things in the world of agriculture five days a week. So, tune in on agnewsdaily.com and follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Agnewsdaily. With that, Delaney, shall we let the people go? Let's let them go.